Warning, the following content contains sounds. Some sapients of Homo have episodic memories with undesired correlation sensations with particular sounds depending upon their mood and personalities. Although many attach their identities with notions and actions, the mockery that is included in here is directed towards the latter two and not the first. Having said that, hello, welcome to Correlation Sensations, a show where I talk about your mother's mammalian protuberances. Yes, yes. Mm. And now, the you've all been waiting for, another episode of Correlation Sensations. This is now episode 17, part 2 of Aristotle. In this episode, Dwarf will be covering the book categorizing by Aristotle, written in 350 BCE. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's much better. Hello, boys and girls. It is me, Gork. Once again, fighting the good fight. Yep. I don't know what that fight may be, but it is there most definitely. At least I think so. And the void are not here again. It seems more full in here now. What is going on? I almost ate my toenails before I found that squirrel outside. That was tasty. And less crunchier than the foot, I tell you what, those toenails don't come out well. Ugh, yeah, we're doing some more Aristotle, I tell you. This is going to be the first book in the table which I found online of the books that are in the circulation, yep. And although Aristotle spoke in Greek, his titles are commonly in some form of either Latin or English. I want you to take a few deep breaths, folks. That's right. In, out, while I not take breath. In, out. This sounds familiar. You don't have to hyperventilate in order to hypoventilate like a Wim Hof. But, you hold your breath and wait, because this list is longer than any other one I have covered thus far. If you think a Plato was a long and arduous journey, be prepared to shit your pants. I can't, because I already did, and uh, they're hanging up right now. Void's not here to wash them. So... They just uh, make drips on the floor of uh, some uh, brown stuff. Anywho, where was I? Hmm, yes. Unfortunately, this list is not chronological like I wanted to. So, since I'm doing this for you, let's write you. I do it all for you. Not really. 
maybe I'm going to blame you for me coming into this, looking up a table and choosing that link and finding that table that's not chronologically ordered. That way you don't know how he uh, began uh, pumping out some writings. No, no, no. Then later I read that it's apparently difficult to do that, you know, chronologically organizing Aristotle's works. So I don't know how to say this, but um, what I do, but I don't necessarily want to, but I will. I will say I'm sorry. I blamed you. It's all Void's fault. Where, where, where? Yes. So, chronological organization of Aristotle's works is uh, difficult to do. But, I would like to point out to that one adage that many people have uh, referred to, which is that nothing great ever comes all over your face. Or something like that. But, I would also like to uh, let you know that there are a lot of things that are not labeled great that are quite difficult as well. Then, I would let you know that it is okay. Because subjectivity of uh, the idea of how difficult something is is uh, merely something you will change in your perception the more you start to learn about that subject. Yes, yes, yes. You know, first you take the easy portion which initially may seem difficult. And once you habituate to the point of understanding the flow, you nibble a little bit more on your toe. I mean, on the task, yes. And then once you get to the threshold of difficulty that you're least comfortable with, and you know you've gone a little too far, a little too far, and you, you go back, yeah, then you nibble, yeah, that's, that's the right place. And then after that, you'll start to notice that uh, things you thought were hard were pretty damn flaccid. So, this list is organized by topics. Yes, that's right. Although you, one could argue, you know, their topics can intermingle amongst each other. I'm not going to say which ones, but I think you already know which ones I point out. Logic, natural science, metaphysics, ethics, and politics. Okie dokie. Source number two, the source for this damn list, is the one that I took my pride and joy in copying without the abbreviations. So there's a Latin title and the English translation of the title. We're gonna go down this list now. Ready? We have category A, which is categories. We have De Interpretation, on interpretation. Analytica Prioria, Prior Analytics. Analytica Posterioria, Posterior Analytics. Then we have Topica, which is topics. Yes. We have topics amongst the topics. We have De Sophisticis Elincus, on the sophistical refutations. Then 
We have Organon. Organon is actually a title for a collective group of books, which is six titles. The six are Physica, Physics, Degeneration et Corruption, Oncoming, To Be and Passing Away, on Generation and Corruption. Don't see how that's quite something that would translate equally, but okay. Then we have De Calio, which is on the heavens. Why was that included with physics? I don't know. On the heaven? Oh, less. Oh, I think they refer to heavens as something that actually exists. And then made up fairy tales about what happens there because it's so dark. Oh. Oh, silly humans. Then we have the an, the anima, on the soul included in here. Pa, de sensu, it's sensibilis. This is on sense and sensibles, also known as on sense and sensibilia. Okie dokie. Then we have de memoria et of Virgilia. Oh, that is on sleep and walking. Then we have De Insomnius on the dreams. Then we have Divination per Somnum on divination by dreams. Oh. Then De Longitudine et Vorefetate Viteo or something like that which is on longness in shortness of life. Oh, that's one you want to hear, huh? That will take your minds off things. Then we have Jevuntet et Sinetuktuokopaka. No, I like this one in parentheses right next to it. It's De Vita et Morte. Sounds a lot more easier to J De Juvenit et Senectut. Sound kind of like my brother's fake language. He did drop off over there around that time. A couple of thousand years before. I wonder. That is on youth and old age. On life and death. Then we have de respiration. On respiration. Then we have parka naturalia. Little physical treatises which are the collective titles for the preceding eight works. Whoa, you thought that list was long enough, but it keeps on going deeper, baby. We have De Spiritu on a breath, Historia Animalium on the history of animals, natural history of animals. Then we have De Partibus Animalium on the parts of animals. De Matu Animalium, De Generation Animalium, De Incessu Animalium. Wait, De Matu Animalium is on the motion of animals, De Generation Animalium is on the generation of animals, and De Incessu Animalium on the beginning of animals, progression of animals. Then, what do we have here? Metaphysica. Metaphysics, ooh. Ithaca, Nicomachean, Nicomachean ethics. Ithaca, Eudemia, Eudemian ethics. 
Magna Morelia. Magna Morelia. Oh, don't think they did much work on that one. Maybe that was the name of his other, you know, lover. Then we have Politica, which is politics. Rhetorica, Ars Rhetorica, which is a rhetoric, art of rhetoric. Kind of redundant. Then Poetica, which is poetics. Now, I would like to say that was all for today. But then, I would think about all the people who would be left out on all these fun. And I'd like to tell you right now, there's a special treat for after this episode. Instead of the normal music selection from Escape Code, we have the guitar player, Lonely and Woeful, locked up, playing guitar by himself, without his abandonments. He said, because my roommate was a too abrasive. Damn you, Corona. Oop. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, you get a job soon. I don't think so. Oh, once I get done with this, I will get another job. Maybe one harder. One where I can evolve. Mutate, if you will, and become greater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something we heard before. That the bastard owes me money. I wish Void was here. That son of a bitch. Although that table which I have just uh, broken down for you may seem to some like a clinical approach towards tackling the task of going into detail of what's left in circulation of Aristotle's works. The following episodes will seem much more in content than just that small table. Nevertheless, I'm still curious as to what 200 others, or what of the rest of the 200 of Aristotle's work, would have contained. I mean, who is ignorant of that content can only imagine what other things Aristotle might have wrote about. Perhaps he went into some questioning of morality, and to such a great degree his writings were then buried, burnt, or locked up somewhere in some silly-ass Vatican vault. Which, by the way, is a one way to have the most negative impact on your own species. Big Papa Gork would make change to that. Hiding the knowledge that impacts people's reflections and principles of the past is something I think to be more of a crime then are many of the things which I have heard are illegal today. And what were illegal in about 70 years ago? Oh, jeez. 70 years. One lifetime away. Although, I recommend that this species finds a way to get a real uh, formula for finding what's truly something that should be shunned based on our logic prior to attempting to share that information with each other's as much as possible, and where you guys get in such a nasty mess that you will never be able to get out. Anywho, back to topic. Now we're going to the first book, and the only book I'm going to speak about today, Categories. Yeah, by Aristotle. Translated by E.M. Edgehill. Thank you. Now, for the being on this receiving end, I would uh, like to uh, present an entrance that you would find if you attempted to read such a created 
publication by the one named Aristotle. Incoming quote, part one, things are said to be named equivocally, when though they have a common name, the definition corresponding with that name differs for each. Thus, a real man in a figure in a picture can both lay claim to the name animal, yet these equivocal so named for, though they have a common name, the definition corresponding with the name differs for each. For should any one define in what sense each is an animal, his definition in one case will be appropriate to that case only. On the other hand, things are said to be named univocally, which have both the name and the definition answering to the name in common. A man and an ox are both animals. And these are univocally so named, inasmuch as not only the name, but also the definition is the same for both cases. For if a man should state in what sense each is an animal, the statement in which one case would be identical with that in the other. Ha! I like him already. Oh, let's finish this quote. Whoopsies. Things are said to be named derivatively, which derive their name from some other name, but differ from it in termination. Ooh, the terminator. Oh, I'm still doing the quote. Thus, the grammarian drives his name from the word grammar, and the courageous man from the word courage. End quote, Aristotle. <laughs> Are you like that one? What I really like about it is that we now know Aristotle had both his hands while writing this one. He allowed himself to be open to opposing viewpoints, apparently showing the logic that he had, and the well-structured poetic depiction of weighing semantics prior to going deeper into philosophy. Ah, I wouldn't say those two views cannot coexist, though. No, 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 no. They most certainly can. Yes, yes, yes. Of course. They are animals, which means that the Oxford Dictionary shows the generally accepted separation of the word animal and man, which is uh, then showing off a great deal of pompousness amongst some of your humans. Do you not consume other life forms in order to chemically break down their contents and dispose of the excess and unviable material in a form of a future dirt? Do you not move around? Do not many of you exchange genetic codes in order to make a mixed version of you and another individual? This sounds like an animal to me. But I'm going to go into your authority figures to see which one will, you know, appeal to my bias, hmm? Or appeal to what I think. So I use the Britannica.com, which has this quote from source 3, Britannica.com. Quote, animal, kingdom animalia, any of a group of multicellular eukaryotic organisms, i.e. as distinct from bacteria, their deroxyribonucleic acid, or DNA, is contained in a membrane-bound nucleus, end quote. Bah. As long as those humans remain the poor multicellular eukaryotic organisms, they are always going to be animals. Poor humans.
while a man is an animal no matter what. We all know that animals of all the types are apparently different based on the phenotypical, which are physical traits, via a genotypical level. The third portion for a semantic view is that we also know that the word's definition depends on the context in which it sits. Now the reader is hopefully well aware by this moment in time that Aristotle explicitly displays his comprehension on the topic of categorizing. Believe it or not, those three small paragraphs were the entirety of part one. Whoa, let's proceed, shall we? Now for part number two, Ooh. goes into different types of speech. Ooh. But they're not in very great detail, no, no, no. He just goes into simple and composite speech. Mm. Simple is a one-word thing to say. Composite, well, I think you know what that means. I'm beginning to now wonder if Aristotle had experienced this quote-unquote simple form of speaking commonly amongst those who are in the lower class. What I mean is that, you know, even though move may sound like a pretty simple thing to say, the composite speech includes Grog says move now, which is like something both your correlation sensations could uh, imagine it to be coming from someone uh, of how you say, lowbrow? Is that what they say? Mongoloid? Um, moronic? Dumb, stupid, unintelligent, incapable, incompetent, incontinent. Whoa, that reminds me. I need to call void for my pants to be cleaned now. Back to topic. So, a subjective description is then given on how people easily assume what each other mean by saying man, where it's implicit that the individual man is being referred to, so it does not require that the use of an individual why write around the word man? No, 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 no. That makes sense to me. Continuing into this part, Aristotle expresses that details, such as color, are communicated in speaking. Oh, no shit. But are characteristics which are not predicable of anything. Predicable meaning. The color white does not affirm that what an object is. No shit. Maybe I take this for granted. Perhaps Aristotle had to work really hard to communicate this very simple thing. It is also stated that an understanding of knowledge is uh, predicable when a grammar is used. Since Aristotle proved his bias on that one, you want to uh, go into deeper future times, later on down the low road, we'll go into how you can tell that not speaking as expected or writing is expected to an appropriate level only shows that you did not speak that way or write that way. It could mean a variety of different things depending upon the different impacts. Perhaps you did not give two fucks. Perhaps you gave a lot of fucks and stressed out to the point where you didn't do so well. Perhaps you had some crazy thing happen in your life to make you not have sleep so you don't function properly, so when you do that function, it is not proper. No, no, no. 
and perhaps maybe your temporal lobe is damaged, maybe just the motor neurons functioning funny, maybe just your logic portion, maybe all three. Perhaps. There are many things that do cause that, so when you say knowledge is predicable when uh, grammar is used, there's also a portion in your brain that functions to where you can communicate in a very articulate manner. But you may not understand a damn thing you say. There really is something in academia where they talk about that. If you really want to know, you can hit me up. I'm not even going to put that in the description. Take your phone, that thing that you put right in front of your face all the time, and you, you type on the G or the, the Chrome thing, whatever you use, and you search that up, bitch. Type in part of brain that is associated with understanding words. Oh, it is different than the one from articulating words. So, to end the part two, Aristotle logically included that although someone is being indicated when they say the man or horse, the description doesn't indicate the characteristics of that individual being described. When the topic being communicated about isn't available to the receiver's memory, there is much left up to the imagination of the subject at hand due to ignorance. Part two is as sweet and short like part one. Mwah. I hope the consumer of this product would enjoy this quote as much as I did when I initially read it. Unfortunately, I've read it a couple times, and now it's a little stale. At first, I chuckled. Ha ha. It goes like this. When one thing is predicated of another, all that which is predicable of the predicate will be predicable also of the subject. Thus, man is predicated of the individual man, but animal is predicated of the man. It will, therefore be predicable of the individual man also. For the individual man is both a man and animal. Aristotle. Yes, indeedy. Did you not pick up on that one? I mean, he used all the possible variations I could think of for predicate. For this one man. Oh. This is going into describing categorization, which seems to be more and more like those Russian dolls. You know, the ones where you have a big doll, and you open it, there's another doll, and then you open that, and there's another doll. It's like a whole cascade of dolls, you know, one doll. It's not even that big. Anywho, so categorizing seems kind of like that. You have genre, subgenre, sub-subgenre, you know. Uh, the only reason why I brought up Russian dolls is because Void won't stop going into it. He, he has this fascination. He really likes the, the opening and the closing and the showing. It's so really weird. Sometimes he hides things in there. I told him not to, but he won't stop. He left our cat in there once. He shrunk it. And then he put it in there. I miss him. Oh, yeah, I better, I better edit that one out. Oh.
He also shows that uh, he knew that there's a genus of a species, including the description of being a two-footed. When this is expressed, there is no affirmable difference between animals which have two feet. At this time, it's shown that some people were likely already showing an interest in having these are multiple different types of genus and species, I tell you. But with similar differentiation amongst the different classes of animals. That's basically part three. Let's do part four. Part four now, it goes into expressions that describe a subject matter, which is basically adjectives. I would like to point out that he does not use the word adjective at all, in this book at least. I think it also shows a stage of verbal communication regarding their categorization during Aristotle's life, or at least an interpretation of such by him. He also noted that the adjectives themselves are not truly false inherently, nor do they carry an opinion of being negative or positive that is apparently left up to the person's Explicit data they relay. That is in the part four. Pretty easy. La la la. Oh, yes, part five. Part number five. Aristotle goes more into adjectives, which are one of two things. One is that these descriptions are predicated by a primary substance, while the other is that they can be present in them, but not a predicating. This seems to me as a preface for the next paragraph, which describes the reason why genus must go prior to species. In order to describing, you know, an individual logically, you would go from the most ambiguous to the most specific. Sounds a lot like those damn Russian dolls. I wonder where he put those things. He had them somewhere around here. I'm not going to look for it now. But I really want to. Where were we? Yeah, where go? Right here. Yeah, so this sounds a lot more like, you know, what's going on right now. Aristotle's actually uh, given credit for initiating this biological classification system, too. Like the kingdom class or other genus species. Whoa. According to Aristotle's definition, species is the most detailed point for categorization, where it is the substance of the entity being described. There are no species which are more true a substance than not. This sounds to me more like something that contradicts what one of Plato's books had said, where Plato communicated by using Socrates in the book Phaedrus. We covered that back in Plato times, you know, where, you know, he would be describing the soul in the book, where it is like a moving essence of what you are, and you inhabit the bodies. And, depending upon how you live your life, you either go lower in species or higher. And lower and higher mean there's a difference in the quality of life. So, seems like kind of contradicts Plato's stuff. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Hmm. It also is kind of interesting where uh, Aristotle referred to the individual as a substance, as a substance, rather than soul. And a soul is also referred to as an essence, and what is more of an essence than a substance, you know? So I could see if Aristotle 
really interpreted, the soul is nothing more than the object. But we haven't even gotten into that metaphysical mumbo-jumbo. We'll hold off on that one. Furthermore, Aristotle goes into how secondary substances of individuals, i.e. category of animal, is not inside the man. No, no, no. It's just a more broad definition of what a man is. Much like how Void's Russian doll scenario of the animal doll, with the human doll inside of it. Meaning that details of the category of man, including being two-footed in terrestrial. Although I'd argue that those who have less limbs than supposed would feel left out if we didn't call them humans as well. Just so you know, I will indicate that the one and the no-legged people in this classification of man. If you aren't terrestrial, I have no idea what the hell you are. A whole role regarding the primary substance is impredicable of any trait, but rather when it comes to secondary substances, the species is then predicable. From the way I look at it, I think what he means is that when, you know, you are a human, you have a specific predicable trait. But, you know, secondary animal is not predicable of what traits you have, kind of like a Russian roulette table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going deeper into this part, he wants to make clear that a class such as man or animal doesn't necessarily mean an individual. But the individual is necessary. It's starting to look like he beat this dead horse after he clubbed it over the head and then slit its throat and drank its blood. Yep. This continues until he hits a point that there is no real opposite of anything in reality. The opposite of any detail, i.e. dimensions, doesn't truly exist. An example Aristotle had used is that there is no such thing as the opposite of two cubits long. Yep. He also included that qualitative traits to seem to have apparent opposites, such as a man may be content that much is the contrary of little, or great of small. Okay, okay. But this is also just opinion. Aristotle seemed to then settle a debate of what is more or less of a man. I now have this quote from him right here. Ahem. <laughs> Oh, I told it. Substance, again, does not appear to admit a variation of degree. I do not mean by this that one substance cannot be more or less truly substance than another. For it has already been stated that this is the case, but that no single substance admits of varying degrees within itself. For instance, one particular substance, man, cannot be more or less man either than himself at some other time or than some other man. One man cannot be more man than the other, as that which is white may be more or less white than some other white object, or as that which is a beautiful may be more or less beautiful than some other beautiful object. The same quality, moreover, is said to subsist in a thing in varying degrees at different times. A body, being white, is said to be whiter at one time than it is before, or being warm is blah blah blah. Aristotle. Jeez. You're starting to sound more and more like those guys with the black and the white. 
blah 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 you know those dudes dress up like ghosts in the fields in nowhere get really drunk light a big gigantic tea on fire they talk about this and that blah 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 something I think uh, we have all taken note on at least every time we compare two or more objects you know is what Aristotle had said taking it a step further bring the reader to think about opposing qualities such as black and white or by law of nature allowed to be descriptions of the same object at different times but at a specific time there can only be one coexistence between the color white and black and one object never truly exists wow anywho he goes into what I think to be awesome at this point the sapien of homo realizes that notions which describe certain traits are dependent upon time for accuracy as time flows down its logical stages of succession various states occur allowing for objects being described either by color temperature or in some subjective terms like good or bad will be correct at different times that concludes part five of this book now on to part six here comes a quote part six quantity is either discrete or continuous moreover some quantities are such that each part of the whole has a relative position to the other parts others have within them no such relation of part to part aristotle wow just stating the obvious yes we know water fluid some parts move around completely different not related then when you have solid objects like a people unless if their limbs are ripped or they're mutated or something they have all this relative positioning of their different parts I'm glad Aristotle elucidated on what he meant by discrete quantities which are conveyed as numbers and speaking these two forms of communicating data discrete quantities are the line surfaces solids and besides these time and place I don't find anything that's communicated without the qualities of low volume or code to be discrete I mean it's right there that they're transmitted on a sheet not in chemically activated ink or some mumbo-jumbo only a couple people understand is basically shouting out to the whole world from a small discrete little number or symbol well that is kind of discrete it's little bah I will defend my side I draw a line in the sand let's go on just below this his discrete communication he went into detail regarding why numbers themselves are discrete because they have no shared boundaries the abstract nature of numbers have to be where you may add two fives to create the number 10 because the numbers themselves are separated they don't have shared boundaries as for speech the syllables are always separate making speech discrete I'm guessing that without the full context these numbers and words don't mean jack shit alas Aristotle expressed that these lines of a speech have a common boundaries making them not so discrete according to his definition but he did not state that specifically afterwards so up to interpretation I guess I'm going to share another quote <clears throat> space and time also belong to this class of quantities time past present and the future forms a continuous quality 
For the parts of a solid occupy a certain space, and these have a common boundary. It follows that the parts of space also which are occupied by the parts of the solid, which have the same boundary as the parts of the solid. Thus, not only time, but space also is a continuous quantity, for its parts have common boundary. Now, for the tree which Aristotle pointed to earlier in this section, he went into an explanation for why some substances have no real relative position amongst its parts, and others do. Then he allowed for a little differing in opinion regarding numbers. Number accounting shows how numbers have a relative order, which kind of makes them share a boundary. But this is only an exception, and it's such that that he still does not claim that that is an exception. I say this because of this quote. It would be better to say that such parts had a relative order in virtue of being prior to another. Similarly, with number in counting, one is prior to two, and two to three, and thus the parts of numbers may be said to possess a relative order, though it would be impossible to discover any distinct position for each. This holds good also in the case of speech. None of its parts has an abiding existence. When once a syllable is pronounced, it is not possible to retain it. So that, naturally, as the parts do not abide, they cannot have a position. Thus, some quantities consist of parts which have positions, and some of those which have not. Aristotle. Okie-dokie there, big boss. He claimed that only from the specific time or surface area are quantitative qualities as a secondary sense, because time in surface area is communicated in units. To me, this would seem to be due to the fact that uh, units are a quantitative quality, but units are something humans make up to describe an object. Like where Void and I, we would say, my dick is a two crabbles long. And he'd go, no, 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 no. Your dick is a point zero zero six quantos long. And then I'd smack him in the face with it. Yeah. Now, like a raging drunkard, Aristotle went back to another topic, which he already kicked following its death, much like that horse, which was the lack of existence for opposing numbers, and such only to go back into reflecting on how a substance cannot be more or less of itself, like he already said, but in terms of applying said logic into quantities, as well as one is as much as one and fifty-five is as much as fifty-five kind of thing. Remarking on the quote-unquote mark of quantity is quality. Equality and unequality are detailed as being predicated by quantity. Essentially, Comparisons are made possible with the units described in numbers for time, mass, and what have you. With a final statement, I want to close this book with one last quote. Finally, that which is not a quantity can by no means, it would seem, be termed equal or unequal to anything else. One particular disposition or one particular quality, such as whiteness, is by no means compared with another in terms of equality or inequality, but rather in terms of similarity. Thus, it is the distinctive mark of quantity that can be called equal and unequal.
Hmm. Yes. Unless you use the quantity of units to express the type of wavelengths being reflected off said unit, then you could tell which one is quantitatively more or less quote-unquote wide. Why, I don't understand why he didn't see that. I hope he does not go more into this mumbo-jumbo saying stuff like this. Seems like he was too much to himself without another person to knock their head against his. Prah! Anywho, we're going into the English-titled version on interpretation for next episode. I sure hope it's not like this. I wanted to learn more about the brain and how to manipulate it, but here I get a bunch of hooey. Seems like it would only help out the listener or something. In order to only understand something of what the past have, not because it would actually help them. I mean, categorizing is something we've known about for a long time. It's almost like he could have been talking about wiping his own ass and how it feels to wipe his own ass. Which hand he uses to wipe his own ass and why? And what comes out when he wipes his own ass? Jeez. Now, here is a unique recording by the guitar player for his scapegoat. New stuff. Don't turn away. Mm-hmm.